0: Fire's on The
1: coffee is hot
0: mm, but yeah. lukewarm. lukewarm Well actually yours probably
2: hot Yeah Yours is sponsored by Hydroflask i turn Yeah, let's Hydroflask chase us very good. <laughs> Trying to pay us some money. Maybe a collab and make a ceramic insulated mug with four pairs, you.
1: What would your guys' ideal we've talked about this a little bit, but what would your ideal mug be? Seven point three five ounces. Seven point three five ounces.
2: No, I'm thinking okay, I want a ten ounce mug. Because a twelve ounce? ounce? This is twelve ounce. A little mm-hmm. bit big. Uh, six ounce, great for pour over. Is eight ounce too small? Or eight ounce, great for pour over. Uh But occasionally I do want, like I want to be a little versatile. Like most of the time I'm drinking a black pour over. Uh, but if I did want like a ginger snap latte or I did want, you know, maybe a, uh, like an affogato, like a more of a dessert some whipped cream, you, you, need, you, know, you need the clearance of two ounces to get whipped cream in there.
0: But you want that on the go? Well, I mean, you just want it insulated and warm. Oh, okay.
1: <laughs> uh, that's about a buggy scene about affogato. Shoot.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. 12 ounces, this is just a little bit big. Yeah. But it's cup holder worthy, which is nice. Why I don't like the Hydro Flask is because it's pointless. <laughs> the handle the handle so frustrated the handle like makes no sense
1: actually my dad got one of these he was like oh they're on sale you should go and get one and I was like I'm not even going to dump all my opinions about this cup on him right yeah now. but I did mention the whole handle thing I'm like it's insulated why do you need a handle because right. it doesn't fit in a cup holder that's just the only thing things.
2: you could find before I found this that is small that could warm your coffee because everything else are those giant tumblers Right. Unless you want to spend $40, like Christian.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Bro, you've got, like, a solid collection of mugs, some of which you've even given away to people.
2: Yeah, I don't know why. (laughs) Why did I do that? He's living that single life, man. It's going to be
0: short-lived. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Time to
1: pinch pennies now. (laughs) Yeah, that's true.
0: Yeah, the Kinto mug's pretty good, but that's, like, that's, like, $35. I think that's the – I think that mug – Fits the best inside of a cup holder. Yeah, even the fellow travel mug, like the Carter Go. That one's still not skinny enough, I think, for some cup
1: holders in cars.
2: True. I mean, this is. uh, I guess I'm using my truck as a reference. Yeah, I'm using. I'm using
0: my '98 Rav4 as a reference. Oh shoot!
1: (laughs) Wait, does yours fit that? The big yes, the big boy.
0: Wow yeah this fits in
1: so your cup holders are just bigger period
0: yes
2: well i mean the cup holders are bigger but then they also have this kind of rubbery grip inside of them uh oh yeah just to get a little extra tautness to it
1: right so yeah i think my ideal mug is insulated on the outside like uh double walled but on the inside all the way through the the, the inside up onto the lip is ceramic ceramic yeah dude because when you have oh even to the lip even yes. to the lip because oh. what i find is that with the the ceram- some of them do the ceramic on the inside yeah mm-hmm. but then the lip is stainless steel yeah and it transfers heat so quickly so you're like okay where am i at you take that that sip and then boom the whole lip heats up and it like not burns your lip but it's just uncomfortable yeah it's hard to take that first exploratory sip yeah so i think i would want ceramic all the way up through the lip
2: I like the ceramic lip on this because it's, uh, it just smells a little smoother. That as well. And, uh, yeah, it just smells smoother. I don't know. You just have a pleasant sipping experience. Right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so those three things. Oh, and then, uh, like, maybe eight ounce. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because most of the time when I take things on the go, it's eight ounces. It's poured over. I'm not typically drinking more than that. So right. I don't want all that headroom in it. No. Sloshing around. Yeah, it's just kind of too big. Right. Um, and then, like, reasonably priced. Yeah. I don't understand why it has to be 35 40 bucks. 40 Right. It's ceramic and stainless steel. Like, it's not... You They make those big hydro flasks for a couple dollars. So, just because you're making it for a mug, why does it have to be so expensive? Right. I think it's really just more of a, oh, this is a niche community, so we're going to charge more money. That's true. Right? That's what it seems like. Yeah. Because there's nothing about the materials or, like, the quality that would mean... That would demand that it cost that much right so
2: the one thing that's a little annoying about ceramic traditionally is that it stains a lot easier uh, but it is honestly it's not that hard to clean up yeah but if you're like oh is this mug clean it, it, it very well can be it's just stained right you know because even cer- like pure ceramic they have ceramic coated ones but i don't know about that you know yeah because you always sacrifice something with some kind of coating yeah, so I, mean. I don't know this does stain inwardly but it's clean
1: I did notice, I was like, bro, he's only had that for like a couple weeks.
2: Yeah,
0: ceramic stains. Oh, it's stained uh, on the inside? Yeah. It's got to soak it with some cafeze.
1: Cafeze. Oh,
0: <laughs> oh, shoot. I didn't bring that. Tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Tomorrow.
1: Okay, so episode two, Parasea podcast. We're talking about blends, roasting, what else? Tasting. Tasting. Profiling. Yes. Grinding, roasting,
0: whatever. Yeah. Or adjective.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, that's, a, that's a pretty good, that covers all the, the bases. Yeah. Um, yeah, Christian, what's your history of profiling coffee? Your evolution. When was the first time when you were, because you started out, okay, you came over a few times to my house. We did the popcorn popper thing. Yeah. Then next up was the manual, not the air blower, but the, the, that was the first one was the air blower. Yeah, air blower. Second mm-hmm. one was the old school popcorn, Whir- pop Whirly Pop, Whirly Pop, something like that. Yeah, right. And Whirly then grow. after that, you actually had a, a sec where you were doing the little ceramic vessel that you hold over the fire, and you like yeah, that's shake it around. You could probably
0: fit like forty grams of coffee in there.
1: It's hilarious. <laughs> like you, you basically have to roast like once every day or two days.
2: Yeah, that's pretty. Like I mean, talk about the commitment to the craft. <laughs> like you're basically
1: roast a drink, seriously,
2: for two people, maybe three, that maybe sort of three, race. yeah, yeah, every single
1: day. Then after that, he just jumped straight up to the B more. But yeah. at what point would you say you started profiling?
0: Mm, it's probably the B more. Yeah, I think if you want to profile, you need to have not only just time, but you need temperature readings, which are helpful, and. When I was doing it on the Whirly Popper, I was just doing time and then, like, listening. There's some cues for roasting. There's visually, you know, it's going from green to yellow to light brown to brown. Um, and then you're you're smelling it, you know. It smells like probably grass at first, and then it begins to smell kind of popcorn-y. Yeah. Once you get to its development stage. Um, but after that you know it's like you really need temperature so i knew people who did whirly pop and they just shot the thing with the temperature gun it's like as ah, too much for me my hands are cranking already right i don't have a third arm so i think yeah it's probably when i got the b-more because b-more had at least internal temperature on the roaster
1: yeah so on the b-more does it it has a readout on it
0: Yes, you have you have a roast air temperature.
1: Okay, so it's just the air temperature. Yeah,
0: it's not there's no probe connected to the beans.
1: Okay, so Um, then you just kind of mentioned it, but compare that to the next step up, which is when we bought the Coffee Crafters.
0: Yeah, and with the Coffee Crafters Roaster, there is a probe provided. So we not only have air temp readout on the machine, but there's this probe that reaches the bed of the coffee and is, you know, physically touching the beans. I think that is the next, that's the next level right there. I think that's what we need for real profiling because uh, roast air temperature can vary based off of ambient air temperature and uh, the temperature of your beans. What's their starting temperature? Right now, if you're working out of a non-insulated situation, <laughs> your beans can be like as cold as the air outside or as hot as it is out there. So. Right. What do you
2: what do you warm the temp like right now? Twenty two degrees outside. You are going to roast tomorrow. It's probably going to be thirty degrees. The garage is probably fairly close to that. Yeah. So how
0: what what do you roast or warm up the roaster to? Um. The air temperature. The air temperature. I like to see the air temperature get up to about, um. 450 degrees okay and then you're like let's and then but the air temperature and i've noticed this before once it hit around 450 uh your bean probe which is just getting hot air at the moment would easily hit like once 15 120 okay now because it's so cold outside the probe which is in the roast chamber it'll like hover around like uh 95 wow so it's it's being held back so i actually crank been cranking up the heat a little bit more and anticipating that, so
2: even though you're getting 450 degree air, yeah, so it's I'm, still like a 20 degree spread. Yeah, just because it's
0: so cold in that garage. Yeah, and I and I have to leave the machine running a little longer to warm up the probe. Yeah, or, or the, the chamber, so to speak. Yeah, the chamber, and then even the the roaster itself, like it can it can easily lose power. So I, I think now more than ever, meaning other parts of the year when it's warmer. I have to be more consistent um, and with my workflow, and in terms of like back-to-back roasting. Mm-hmm. So I have heat from the previous roast still, you know, still in there. So it's still working out roasting in sub-freezing temperatures, <laughs> which is pretty awesome. I mean, we're we're putting the limits of
2: multiple things in the temperature: the espresso machine being outside and. In- 25 degrees That's crazy uh just water the accumulator i mean we're we're living on the edge when it comes to pointing the limits (laughs) to these kind of commercial grade machines yeah which has been interesting but also nerve-wracking
1: yeah i mean i I guess it gives you confidence in normal conditions give me a
2: 68 degree cafe all day yeah (laughs) too easy way too easy
1: (laughs) <laughs> we operated this in yeah. 25 degree weather.
2: Kind of like, uh, you know, the Bane, I was born in the darkness. Like right. Somebody's like, it's cold in our cafe. Yeah, I was born. <laughs> <laughs> I hear farmers a market. It turned to
0: normal. 19 degrees. <laughs> 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 My fingers bleed pulling shots. <laughs> it's so cold. Hey, but the bleeding did not touch any of the cups, right? Yes, exactly. Uh, of
2: course not. <laughs> <laughs> Virginia Department of Health, bleeding did not touch <laughs> cups. <laughs>
1: Yeah. So taking a quick step back just for the lay person, what exactly is profiling? Because that's a word that when you talk to coffee roasters gets thrown around a lot and it's a very technical sounding term. Mm-hmm. It sounds a little bit unapproachable. So you say the word profiling, what in simple terms do you mean? Uh,
0: it's just the way you roast a bean and each bean has a little bit different characteristic, not only in taste, but uh, size uh density you know it it all matters at what elevation that bean was grown in which country um and that has an impact so you know you'll hear some roasters they just have tons of profiles like spreadsheets after spreadsheets and that's what i did at first um but then i realized okay most beans are grown near the equator (laughs) so they're they're not that much different uh, besides altitude, I would say altitude has a, an effect right. with density. You know, if it's a more dense bean, aka Africans, you know, this recent Ethiopia, Saddamo we have, is pretty dense. Actually, I think it's more, it feels more dense than the Yerga we had. Mm. Um, and you can tell by, can it take heat and take it, a lot of it and not, you know, take off, you know? And so I I just felt like, yeah, you can have like maybe three to five profiles that are pretty general in terms of like more heat here, less heat there at the beginning or end of the roast. And then base off each bean, you kind of just tweak a little bit. And I, I guess you could call those minor tweaks, you know, profiles if you're running a pre-programmed machine or you just have a you get a general scope and then you kind of watch each roast like every batch. Uh, you just never really know.
1: So you're able to take beans and, and in a, in a certain sense, slot them into a certain genre. Yeah. Like I know this is a smaller, denser bean. Yeah. Et cetera. So I can roughly run this type of profile. Yeah. And then you're just making micro adjustments. Yeah. Within and, that.
0: And your profile should set you between, and this is pretty generally known, an eight to 12 minute roast time. I think that's like SCA, right? Yeah. The Specialty coffee association. They if they want to grade your coffee, you need to roast it within eight to 12 minutes. So your profile should aim for that direction. And then the minor tweaks have to do with, oh, what level of roast and, um, what do I want to bring out in this bean? You know, do I want to make it for espresso? Well, I may need to crank the heat up so I can get to, uh, a higher temperature for second crack without staling the bean out, you know, or, uh, you know, dial it back a little bit. You know, you want a, a nice city roast, something a little lighter. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I was going to say, even with the Sadamo
2: we had, yeah. we kept finding there's a little of uh, kind of vegetal taste to it. Uh-huh. And the thought was, uh, you know, called roasting it out, right? So that was done by temperature and time. Did we take it, took it to higher temp and then even a
0: longer time? Or how, do, how, how is your approach to get the vegetal out of the roast? Um, so the vegetal, most of the time that has to do with its drying phase. So when the bean is green to turning brown, you know, you, you don't want to do that too fast. It's like it's like uh, cooking a steak. Mm. No, no. Let's say it's like cooking a chicken because rare steak is OK, but raw chicken is not good. Yeah, right. OK, so you need a you need to cook it. Uh, At a reasonable pace, right? Otherwise, you're gonna get outwardly good-looking chicken, but inside you're gonna get food poisoning (laughs) You're gonna get vegetal coffee. Yeah Um, So in the same way, I think what was happening was I realized I needed higher temperature uh, But I was speeding up I think the speed of that um, Drying phase was too quick. Okay, and then because I knew in the end in the development stage around first crack, it needs to go up mm-hmm. cause it would, or it would stall. But then what I did was I slowed down the onset of the temperature and then right around, you know, three eighty, three ninety, so it doesn't stall out past that 400 degree first crack time, I, I've been cranking it a little bit. Mm. And yeah, and Ethiopian beans, I had a conversation with another roaster uh, a few months ago, and Ethiopian beans don't need a lot of development time. So once first crack happens, I think to get those nice, brighter, f- fruitier flavors, um, you don't want to go <laughs> too too much into like two and a half, three minutes after first crack. Okay. I I actually I try to aim within one minute. So you're like an eight minute roast, nine minute roast. Probably, yeah, they tend to be a little shorter, yeah. eight to nine minutes. Wow, okay. Yeah. It was, when I did it with our new upcoming blend, yeah. <laughs> uh, it maybe went to 10, but it's also, it's cold outside. Yeah. But yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So for point of reference, when you talk about temperature, what is first crack, first of all, and then also give us the range of... Because temperature is your main indicator for where you're at in a roast and when you should end it. Mm -hmm. So compare lighter to darker and how those relate to temperature.
0: Yeah. Um, Your light roast is going to be anywhere from like 415. You could go a little less, but you run the risk of being vegetal. Mm, Yeah. (laughs) 415 to like 425. 425. And once I start going around 430 to like 440s, that's a medium, you know, a solid medium roast, which is what our old cornerstone used to be. That's right. Uh, but then we wanted to touch a little bit more boldness and maybe caramelization from the cornerstone. So we took it then to second crack, which for, for us, that's been around 455. Um, and these two cracks are just indications of how much the bean has broken down, you know, First crack is just the initial, you know, release of all that water and energy reactions going on. I wish I was more scientific, but uh, right. oh, it literally sounds point. like a crack. That's why it's it called, sounds like a crack. Yeah, the beans yeah. are popping. Right? Yeah. So yeah, they're like breaking open. I mean, they expand in size. Yeah. Um, and our profiles mostly are within first crack. Yeah. I I, I touched second crack. Uh, but I don't go too far into it. Once I hear it, I'm ready to cool it, which is around 455. You're just like, ooh. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly how I feel. Just <laughs> hear
2: that kind of <laughs> touching second crack. A little bit of a pop, and let's get this thing off. Yeah, yeah. So the only thing that gets that close is Cornerstone.
0: Yep, that's, right? it. Every, that's it. Everything else is around the farthest out goes, maybe 425, yeah. right under 430. But I'm around 420 most yeah. of the time.
2: We're taking that new blend darker than our typical blends, right? This new blend, which yeah. is Ethiopia, Sadamo, and the Honey Process, Columbia. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. We're taking that to what, what's the temperature?
0: I'm, I'm aiming for like 430. Yeah. I took it last time to 426. Um, and the only reason why I stopped a little sooner, because I was thinking of the Ethiopia. Mm-hmm. I didn't want it to – I still want those bright characteristics to come out in right. the beginning. So, yeah, but my aim still is for 430 circle.
1: Yeah. I know you talked about when you worked at uh, Starbucks, they would take their dark roast to what by a point of comparison? Third crack,
2: bro. There's a third crack? There's a third crack. <laughs> That's the bean screaming out of sadness. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, some people really like you you're, you're going to yield, I call it the wet campfire taste. Uh, just to be a little harsh, but some for some people that like that traditional Nostalgic, maybe eighties, seventies taste—that kind of smoky, dark cup of coffee. Yeah, you yield that. Why? I think most people are now seeing that it's not the best way to go. Uh, is because their individual characteristic and notes to every single bean, and you get to a point where you roast all of that out. Yeah, kind of like your fair. analogy of you. If if you, you know, let's say you did three different marinades for a chicken. Mm-hmm. All right, if you burned that thing to a crisp i mean you just all you're tasting is the burnt charred chicken (laughs) you can't taste any notes anymore of the marinades so when you take coffee that dark i don't know starbucks logic i remember in reading uh in howard Schultz's book onward uh talking about going to third crack in far of its developments remember most of starbucks drinks are going to be milk-based right for sure yeah even the drip coffee it's just kind of a you know they're gonna go to get milk with it and milk does you need something to break through that and cut through um mm-hmm. and add sugar to that right so kind of having a deep roasted smoky flavor cut with sugar and milk kind of yields that traditional uh again, sure. nostalgic coffee taste, yeah, but ever since transitioning away from that, I wasn't a black coffee drinker for almost you know, seven years of getting into coffee. Like that was not my first entry to coffee. My first entry to coffee was my grandpa giving me like, we're on a fishing trip freezing in like that giant 40 ounce thermo thermos, <laughs> you know, I was like, what is this? You know, black tar kind of coffee. Uh, so by default, and even culturally like Puerto Ricans, it's a little bit more like more cream than coffee. Really. It's like, yeah. you know, cafe con leche should be the opposite. It's actually like milk with coffee <laughs> so very sweet <laughs> yeah exactly or or just very milky just or very very milky, very milky. Okay. um and because that kind of dark dark coffee doesn't really taste that good i mean there's nothing really nuanced about it yeah so getting into more of what's considered a third wave mm-hmm. uh you can get those notes with a lighter roast. and starbucks has gone in the way of third wave for some of their lighter but it's interesting even their blonde roast, so to speak is still probably pushing our cornerstone levels uh, which is their light roast? Yeah, um, you know, which is different different takes. Yeah, on coffee. But third crack, I mean, I couldn't even imagine
0: what our coffee would taste like. I I wouldn't. I couldn't even imagine what it'll be to clean the roaster. <laughs> It'd be like every It's few very oily. Weeks. Yeah. It, yeah. There's so much oils. Yeah. Right. I, even just us going a little darker. Yeah. I've noticed there's more smoke which is normal um neighbors, and... that's
2: normal huh? <laughs> neighbors that's normal oh yeah the smoke <laughs> and the house is not burning
0: down <laughs> <laughs> and i just noticed our roasting chamber once we start going a little darker is a little yeah
2: warmer. yeah when you when you're cranking out pounds of cornerstone yeah. yeah you get the cloud of smoke going yeah it's you know pillar of fire cow smoke <laughs> that's what it
1: really we want. is yeah <laughs> you roll up and you're like what is going on what is here?" what's going on
0: <laughs> i i think the amazon guy came in the other day when i was like looking deep into the roaster and just <laughs> i i turn i saw the truck but and then i saw the package but i didn't see the guy i was like i wonder what he thought i was doing <laughs> <laughs> staring deep into this yeah roast
2: yeah our new blend coming out that's very exciting what are your yeah. thoughts on that that fact that we have a new blend and why do, why do we need to develop a new blend
1: yeah, it started out as kind of a disappointment because we didn't get what we wanted to get out of the the two individual coffees. Yeah,
2: our company motto, by the way, is "Happy Michael, Happy Company." I don't know if you knew that. Just, just teasing. Just love teasing you sound our Sound like boy. a diva? No, no, no. no, no. <laughs> we need the extra. Like, hey, we could always do better. But we
1: were all disappointed. at The coffee. Yeah, we were. Yeah, yeah. yeah I don't. I don't think one of us was like, "Oh, this is great," and the other two were like, uh, "It sucks." Yeah. Um. So, yeah, it came out of trying to, I don't know, get the best of these coffees. Yeah. It's like, who are you? Yeah.
2: Who it really um, was. Yeah. Based on the notes. Yeah.
1: Sadama, I mean, we've had a Sadama before and we're excited. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So then we just started trying to figure out how, how can we combine coffees that we have into something that's really good. Yeah. And so so there was part of that, the blend, but then it was also how far can we push it in terms of um, darkness? Yeah. Because there was that that vegetal kind of taste. Yeah. I, I, I think part of it was that Ethiopia, the, so the vegetal kind of flavor came from the Ethiopia. And I think part of the reason that we didn't maybe roast it as dark is because the stereotype is that because ethiopia is very florally fruity traditionally that you don't want to roast it very dark mm. because it doesn't shine when it's dark yeah. right it it kind of likes to be a lighter roast but i i think that's not always the case we're finding with african coffees
0: yeah you know i feel like we need to take a trip to ethiopia because um, i've heard of how they i think third wave has a take on ethiopia which i think is good uh-huh. but um i i kind of want to have ethiopian coffee roasted and made fresh by ethiopians like in the cultural way they do it have you heard it
2: yes we talked i think we talked about this
0: we did it was much darker it's much darker much they Mm. they do it on a skillet yeah and then they brew it in almost a way of brewing tea by immersion yes and they, they keep in mind this brewing process has happened after the beans had just been roasted, this is like when we were first getting
2: started. Because I think somebody was bringing up one of you were saying, "Yeah, e- Ethiopians are lights," and we're hearing this a long time ago. Like, no, e- in Ethiopia they're dark. They're dark.
0: Yeah, yeah. And from what I've heard from people who've tried it, is it's not as bitter as we think. I think maybe the process and how they do it is a key. Because uh, I've had dark Ethiopian that was just shipped back. Not sure when it was roasted. That was a little weird in the way like, we brew it. But I think the way they brew it and the way they do it, I've heard it's almost as light as in drinking black tea or something. We need, so. a,
2: who, who's the, the, in the Joe Rogan podcast? He's like, bring that up on the screen. We Jamie? Need, yeah, we need our little Jamie to bring up Flights <laughs> Ethiopia right now. It's like, <laughs> let's, let's get going on Bookenders. Pull that up. Yeah, pull that up. <laughs> pull that up. That would be awesome though. Be Try cool. that out and see what, what you could do because I think we're discovering that.
1: Yeah. The interesting thing with coffee is that a lot of the regions that grow coffee, they don't have as a sophisticated, quote unquote, coffee culture for brewing the coffee that they produce. Right. So I think the thought here is, oh, they can grow the coffee, but they don't know how to brew it at a high level. But it is like really paying attention to every little thing. Yeah. But yeah, it, it's like, is there one correct way? I don't know, maybe there's not. So the Ethiopians, as one example, have they just kind of gone the opposite direction but they find they find something that works for them or they're, I don't know if they're selecting for beans that taste better with how they want to brew it or their taste preference is just different from what a third wave yeah. person would appreciate. But yeah, I mean, I know that in, in certain countries, like Italy it is not a coffee producing country, but there it's like espresso, like pulling espresso shots specifically has become such a cultural thing that it's almost codified in law. Like you can't charge more than X amount for a shot of espresso. And there's not a really a whole lot of experimentation or... exploration i guess yeah it's more just this is the flavor that we that we're used to and you just kind of keep doing the same thing
0: was well, a roast
2: named after it i mean italian roast right uh is a level and that's that smoky dark yeah so i think a lot of people go with the excitement of i am want to go to italy and try espresso and they throw it back and it's it's smoky
1: right it's dark right as opposed to the shots that we're pulling yeah you know. that's true yeah Yeah, so I would definitely – I'm with you, though. I would like to try the best version of traditional Ethiopian-made coffee. Because even within Ethiopia, I'm sure there are people that – it's even here. You go to somebody's house for cookies. One person, like, puts a lot of effort, and they've thought about every little ingredient that they put into their cookies. Another person doesn't really care. They're just using a generic recipe. Maybe that's not the best example. Maybe a better example is – I don't know, something that's already pre, somewhat pre-prepared and then you're just kind of throwing it in the oven. But, you know, one person takes more care and the other person not so much. And they're, you're in the same culture and you're both enjoying, generally speaking, the same thing. Yeah. yeah. That doesn't mean that both of those processes are created equal. Yeah. It's so sure. like if you go to Ethiopia as an example, I'm sure the the way that they roast slash prepare the coffee, it might be similar, right? They might use a similar way of roasting or a similar way of brewing, but... I would like to, it would be interesting to try somebody that does that method, but has experimented a little bit and they're a little bit particular about it, Yeah. just to see the best version of that way of brewing.
2: There will be like their own cultural second wave, yeah. you know, like they've, they've taken it to a different kind of niche level. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But even every culture, I mean, Turkish coffee, uh, Vietnamese coffee, it's just kind of ground in yeah. what they've been doing for a very long time. Personally, not my cup of coffee, you know. Right, but yeah, right. uh, they love
1: it. Have you ever yeah. had Turkish coffee that you like?
2: No, and I went to in Tempe, Arizona. Right there's that actual Turkey uh, Turkish restaurant. Did I go there with you? Uh,
1: I think we might have gone.
2: Anyways, I remember ordering like the traditional Turkish coffee
1: there, um, and it's an experience. It's kind of cool, but yeah. I was get to the bottom. like, how much of them? How much of this am I supposed to Soot. drink? Yeah, because yeah. it's straight up yeah. sooty, gritty. Yep. So
2: I I don't I don't know if it's far to say thousands of years, hundreds of years at least. Yeah. If not eight thousand years. Right. I mean, maybe pre-Ottoman probably, I don't know. <laughs> another time, another podcast. <laughs> History of <laughs> Turkish coffee. <laughs> As their t- conquests through modern day Europe. Right. Uh but yeah, I mean, kind of going back to that, that even these long standing uh coffee Brewing methods, roasting locations, or uh, farming locations, they
1: have their ways. Mm-hmm. But it would be interesting to taste the best version of that. Right. Put a different spin on it. Yeah. Yeah, and circling back around how much of that, just as one example, darker roast Ethiopian can we bring into what we're doing?
0: Yeah. That's just right. keeping
1: that in mind. Because sometimes you can l- limit yourself unintentionally. Mm-hmm. Just because... You know, there's so much information uh, that goes into buying, roasting, brewing coffee that sometimes you're just looking for, okay, well, I know this, so I don't have to worry about it, right? Like, I've kind of got this aspect figured out, right? You don't want to have to analyze every single bit of every single coffee every single time you're doing anything. Yeah, Yeah. But in the process of doing that, although that is somewhat necessary, you can kind of unintentionally not even experiment in a whole other part of the spectrum yeah you know so i agree just like going back to the ethiopia maybe you don't even try taking it darker even though it might be really good dark just because you're like well it's an ethiopian so it'll probably be better lighter roast Mm -hmm. but yeah so circling back to the to the roast i mean that's kind of that's essentially what we ended up doing is that we just we wanted to find bring something out of the bean Cause initially it wasn't, it's not unpleasant. It's just a little bit mellow, mellow to the, and some Ethiopians can be mellow, but it was mellow to the point where it was not really exciting to drink. Right. Didn't really have a whole lot on the start or the finish. Cause sometimes you'll get coffees that have one or the other. Yeah. Right. Like there'll be kind of a nothing burger at the beginning with the finishes really interesting or vice versa. Yeah. But this was kind of neither. Yeah. It was just a not good taste
2: but just not an exciting coffee. Yeah. You know, so unless you're going to wake up every day and mix it with something else. Right. Say, All right. Right. You know, no evolution there. Yes.
0: I thought you were going to say, wake up every day and not have an exciting life. Yeah, just wake up <laughs> every day and
2: just be depressed. in your cup of coffee. <laughs> I, yeah. So, I mean, and what's crazy, okay, what I like about the blend the most is the fact that individually, both of these coffees had nothing going on. You know, whether it was the honey processed or the Sadamo by themselves, you're like, uh. And yet combined, it makes a whole different taste profile. They For both sure. have a, a unique start in this blend and then a unique finish that you can't almost pinpoint when you... It's not like, oh, that's the Columbia. Because the Columbia doesn't have that by itself. It only gets brought out when you mix it with the Ethiopians. Very interesting. Yeah. You know, because a lot of times with blends, you're like, the Los Hermanos blends. You know that's the Acevedo. Like, that's the Acevedo shiny through. Or, you know, this was a Supremo coming through or yeah. whatever it may be this one. You're like, I don't know what this is it's it's two things that Didn't have anything unique by themselves
1: create something brand new. Yeah, yeah it's definitely a good example of Being greater than some of its parts. Yeah, because some of its parts like all the little parts on their own There's no indication that it would be really anything. Yeah, but you put them together and you get something that is Yeah, all the interesting it's like right. they both allow the other to be they were meant to be yeah exactly (laughs) if that makes sense yes because i mean we have been calling it the pbj blend yeah and it has the peanut butter which i'm assuming that's coming from i think it's coming from the columbia right which you assume yes we could probably say it is Mm -hmm. but then you taste peanut butter with the aponte by itself Mm -hmm. Eh. yeah it's weird yeah it's weird (laughs) and then jelly yeah The more of a sweet fruit right that would Traditionally be more of Ethiopia, but you don't really get that when you're trying to Ethiopia on its own, right? So it's yeah. this bizarre thing where somehow when you put them together They release flavors that are not there presently
2: right on their own So peanut butter and jelly and this new to be named blend currently PB&J,
1: right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's really good though I mean, I I, I really enjoy drinking it. Right. Uh, how how have you made it so far like brew method? My main brew method on the daily is AeroPress. AeroPress, okay. Yeah, so I just do the inverted. I think it's like 1, 13, 1 to 13 ratio is what okay. I end up doing. Nice. So I'll do like 15 grams to, of coffee to uh, 215 grams of water and then press it after two minutes.
2: Yeah, and we've been doing here either Chemex or V60, 1 to 15 ratio for both.
1: Okay, cool.
2: I mean, I used to get in the niche to try just random shots of different things. That would be fun because again we don't know what we don't know with even espresso i think there's a whole world to discover espresso is kind of exactly the perfect example of what you're saying earlier of this is how it is don't change it mm-hmm. because you go to a lot of coffee shops and except for the one in near north northern virginia rare bird yeah rare bird of like trying different ways of brewing espresso mm-hmm. or pulling espresso. Not the yeah. way itself, but the type of coffee you're putting through. Mm-hmm. Uh, because you might think, like, no, you can't use a light roast for espresso. You can't. It's against the rules or whatever, these unfounded rules. Right. Uh, yet, we've, we found, like, Bali shots, for example. Dude, Bali, Bali shots. Or the way to go. It would be yeah. interesting to do a PB&J shot. I mean, who knows? Who knows what kind of shots we're going to pull?
0: Yeah. And I, I think if we're really exploring espresso, we can definitely get into some really creative stuff there because – I think Espresso in itself has a lot to offer yeah. that people don't know about. There's just a concept that it's just going to punch you in the face. Um, and yeah, sometimes maybe that slaps you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sometimes slap. it caresses you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like that one from Rare Bird. What right. Do you? What kind of bean was that? Was that a Kenya? It was. Oh, it was an African. I don't know if it was Ethiopia it was an, or
2: Kenya, but it was. Yeah.
0: It was an African espresso shot, and it really like caressed all three of our faces <laughs> like, somehow. You're <laughs> in there, like
2: wow, oh, I just feel warm and cozy. It's really good. I not want this to end. Yeah. I mean, because some espresso you kind of do want to end. Yeah. You're like down it, and you're like,
1: ah. I got it. yeah, it's like taking <laughs> yeah. a shot of whiskey. Yeah, exactly. And,
0: and those are the ones you'd want to mix with milk. But right. these are the ones um, where we're exploring you can really appreciate something really focused and nuanced about these other lighter roast coffees
1: well that's that's the cool thing i think that is unique about espresso but does get overlooked is that because most people are used to the milk drinks yeah not just milk drinks even with flavor shots right those are always the big the big sellers yeah and even when i go to a coffee shop like those type of drinks are something that i don't ever make at home so yeah i'll get a cappuccino So I can enjoy it for a little while, but I get to enjoy the, the steamed milk, but espresso really, if you do give it an opportunity, like to use unique coffees rather than just an espresso blend, it squeezes any unique notes that that coffee possibly can have and condenses it into two sips. Right. Yes. So you get like a very clear picture of what's going on with the coffee. Right. Whereas with pour over, you get some of that, but it's over the course of 20 sips. Right. Yeah. So it's a little bit more diffuse. So that's the fun thing about espresso is that a lot of times you know maybe what kind of might be there. But then when you take the shot, it's like, boom. right? It, it's right it there. definitely doesn't. Okay.
2: <laughs> Go ahead. It definitely <laughs> – okay, what's cool about espresso is, like what you're saying, you know what would be interesting to do is SCA has their cupping method. Uh-huh. It would be interesting to have a espresso-based cupping. Now, I know practically, I mean, you would just be wired to sure. be tasting – I mean, it is a sip. Yeah. One sip is all you need. So if you tasted 10 sips – Oh, yeah.
1: Uh, or you can do the triple S method. Just uh, what is it? Sip, Zip, swish, and yeah, spit. Yeah, exactly. Zip, yeah, swish, but you spit. were saying,
2: yeah, right. I mean, because you do find out those hyper focused notes. Yeah, that you're not going to get, or you it evolves slowly over a pour over or another brew method. Right. Yeah. So I think espresso is overlooked a lot of times. It just yeah. becomes kind of a a staple to a typical cafe because it's such a milk based business. Yeah. Whether it's you know dairy or oat milk or anything else. Um, but I think they have a lot to stand on their themselves mm-hmm. if you
1: do it right. Right. I think that's how, you know, speaking of coming up, dialing in profiles or coming up with blends, I think so far cupping has not really been our preferred method. No. To dial things in. It really has been just drinking a pour over of that coffee. Or I like your idea when our workflow allows it of just pulling – Espresso shots, yeah.
2: Which, as roasters, it may you would think like if other roasters do this, like how do they not cup their own roasts? Because it's kind of the. I mean, there are some roasters that cup every roast they do, right? Every single roast, yeah. And the way, at least, I think we look at it is: is your average consumer going to buy your coffee and just do a cupping? They're not. You're gonna. We want to make sure this tastes great when you are doing it through your, prefer, your preferred brew method.
0: yeah,
2: And sometimes a cupping could show that, but a lot of times you're not gonna know what's gonna taste like a Chemex until you taste it as a Chemex, yeah. or a, or a, uh, any other pour over method, right. or AeroPress. You just gotta taste it. You A know? right. cupping kind of shines on certain notes, and it's a great overall view of the roast itself, but as far as your everyday consumer, it's not as warranted, at least in our opinion. What do you think cuppings? should we do i mean i'm not opposed to doing more of them
1: but the odd thing to me about cupping is that traditionally you do it very soon after roast yeah which is very odd to me because we know with some of our coffees they don't really even come alive until three or five days after roast right it's just very strange to me that you cup so soon after roasting because a lot of times, yeah, it takes that extra time to really, in a sense, reveal itself. Yeah,
2: within well, 18 that, hours. Yeah. That's kind of that's what... That's so soon. The SEAA, I mean, take the Sedamo. You think 18 hours is going to allow enough for that to really mature? No. 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 Yeah. We're starting that's... our own coffee association. <laughs> parasia Coffee Association. Yeah. Coffee Association.
1: We pull shots. Yeah. We do pour overs. That's it. That's it. Forget your cupping. Get your cupping. What yeah. okay. What I am interested in is Mike's idea of having the atomizer. Mm. So something that takes a liquid and atomizes it onto your tongue. Pat and panning, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> you heard it here first. Um Wow. Pouring an espresso shot in one of those? Dude, that would yes. be wild. I mean, that would be I like think... a mist yeah a flavor. I'm I'm trying to even imagine what that would taste like. But I, I just am so intrigued by that because. OK, is it as traditional? No, but for, if it's just about slurping, like when you cup, you just slurp because you're trying to infuse it with oxygen so that you can better taste it. An atomizer seems like the perfect device for that. Yeah. And to do more, infuse more oxygen than you would be able to when you slurp. Right. Without choking, without choking, because yeah, you can only slurp so much without inhaling it,
2: you know. Yeah, into your lungs. <laughs>
1: Plus, and, you look like a tool.
2: Yeah, and in sound the
1: and the sound. Yeah, yeah. It's like that. Some some people are chirpers. Some people are slurpers. Yeah, you know. But yeah, so I'm interested to see what that would, what that workflow would be like. Yeah, cupping
2: to me is, is almost become what has happened to wine. Where there's a lot of this, this air of mysticism around it, that makes it sound like, oh, this is a 95 points, and here's why. And there, I'm sure there is merits to that, but yeah. again, your everyday consumer who even enjoys wine, you, you're gonna go for what you like to taste. I mean, yep. at the end of the day, you can only you only like what you like, right? That's you know, true. Sometimes you go be taught and uh, experiments, but you don't like it, you don't like it. Yeah. So. We want, you shouldn't be, this was scored this, therefore it has to taste good. And then you feel bad if like, well, I can't taste the difference. You know, like that's a 95.1, don't you know? You know like,
1: I like this 89, I'm sorry. Right. You know, like. <laughs> right. Well, then even in terms of, for our, for our own sake, like quality control, making sure that our roasts are where they need to be. Yeah. Or in determining on how to buy coffee. I don't know if I'm really wed to the idea of we do this just because this, because we do this. Right. This is just way, like, why can't I find a better way? Yeah. Or a way that works better for me. I don't see why everybody has to do the exact same thing. I understand the benefits of standards, I suppose. Mm-hmm. You know, of grading coffee in a certain way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, although even grading, parts of grading in certain regions are a little bit of a mystery to me. Um, well, they have their own individual. We see the Honduras. Right. Honduras grading method
2: is so subpar that i mean you get rocks in your beans sometimes so
1: yes yeah Yeah. and then like if you're grading based excuse me if you're grading based on size okay that has some relevance right because like as a roaster if you have a large variation in the size of the beans Mm -hmm. then some of them are going to be over roasted some of them might be perfectly roasted if you have really big ones i don't know maybe they're under roasted but when you buy, okay, when you buy eggs, I guess those that's the same way you buy based on size, mm-hmm. like grade A. But it's a little bit weird because it's not necessarily a matter of quality. It, that that doesn't say anything about the flavor of the egg, right? So, like with coffee, when they grade it, it might be more. Um, what is the word? I'm not separated, but. Um, Sorted? Sorted, yes. It might be the, the, the sorting process that they did is more sophisticated in one place than the other. Yeah. Um, but it really doesn't say a whole lot about the flavor necessarily. Right. That's kind of something that I don't know if you can ever truly rely on somebody else to tell you that. No. Mm-hmm. Beyond tasting it yourself. Right. There's really no way that you can just look at, you know, we're going on, on the website where we buy coffee to see what they have in the warehouse. And you just can look at a few pieces of information and be like oh that's going to be phenomenal
2: I, like that's not really <laughs> how it works i don't right. think yeah i mean are we've, we've proven that because yes. it's happened to us right right or well, like this this is going to be amazing yeah and it becomes a whole cup of nothingness really right so yeah until you taste it
1: yeah just taste and see yeah
0: that's exactly what i've been wanting to say <laughs> <taste and> <laughs>
1: Yeah. Yeah, so that's that's definitely something. I, I think we mentioned this in the previous episode, but that we're trying to dial in is making sure that we end up with more winners. Yeah, at a very high level, all of the coffee that we've ever bought is very high quality, in the grand scheme of things. Right, right. We're only buying the best coffee, but even within the best, yeah, there are ones that are really, really interesting, yeah, and delicious that we like to drink, and then there are other ones that are just not quite there, and it doesn't have to do with the. The quality of the processing, per se, sometimes it's really just a flavor thing right? that we yeah. prefer or don't prefer.
2: It is. I mean, even in the top 1% of coffees around the world, they're just ones that you just have an affinity towards. Right. Yeah, that's you true. Know, and that's okay. That's yeah. fine Yeah, to not have that. Uh, but at least we're trying to source from the highest you could get and then distill from there. Yeah. What do you think I like about our business model as a company is that we don't sell anything we don't personally drink. Yeah. Even, even in giving right. out drinks, I mean, there's been a couple of times making lattes, or like, I have the shot. I'm going to repull the shot. And then you tell a customer, like, that. I, I don't want to give you the shot. Right. And a lot of times they respect that. And like, yeah. yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't want to drink this. Right. So why are we giving it up to you? Right. Even with the coffee. It's like, I don't want to drink this every single day. I don't want to sell that. You know? Yeah. So.
1: Yeah. What else Are we going to talk about? Covered profiling. We... And hopefully that's somewhat helpful to people and understand what profiling is. Take some of the mysticism out of it. I just um, got cold all of a sudden. I thought I was hot and I got cold. I know. I was <laughs> hot. I was hot earlier as well. I got cold. I stick my feet in the fire. Yeah. <laughs> what else can we talk about? How, what time are we at? We are at 53. I would say.
2: It was probably 10 minutes of waste.
1: Yeah, it was about five minutes. I looked over and it was like four and some change. Okay. Since I started recording and then I was messing around with other stuff. Okay.
2: So, yeah. Anything else we should talk about? Episode two.
0: Uh, Hosting. Profiling. Blend development.
2: Call out the (laughs) SEA.
1: Shoot. Why do we have to do this? (laughs) Oh, man.
2: We're going to get denied our application. Uh, (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah I don't even think we're going to be going in the next few years anyways
2: yeah maybe yeah, it depends on what city it's in yeah the only one Christian's going to go for us the only vac- <laughs> <only> <laughs> our liaison one. yeah he's our our liaison to the Vaccinated world. <laughs> <laughs> can't get anywhere. You and know all our coffee trips this is Christian. Yeah. Christian and Charlotte. Hey, We're <laughs> in Columbia. <laughs> Michael and I like, dang it. <laughs> can't go anywhere. you <laughs> getting
1: ex- expense paid trips yeah, to the world. To the world. <laughs> <laughs> you can't travel. You I want me to
2: Yeah. Okay. So we talked about profiling, roasting the new blends. Should we hit, uh, I don't know. Five or six minutes on the trailer since we debuted it this last farmers market. Sure.
1: Okay. Where yeah. we want to start with that?
2: We could talk about uh, that we we brought it. We're almost done with it. We're
1: excited. What does that mean for somebody who's in the RVA area? Yeah. What to look out for? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, last thing we could talk about is the trailer. This past week uh, weekend, well, yesterday. Yesterday. Yeah. Today is a Sunday. Yeah. We finally were able to use the, the trailer as a transport. Yeah, Espresso One. Espresso One, <laughs> rolling in hot. So we use it as a backdrop yeah. for our farmer's market setup. That was pretty awesome. That was. It was a
2: good feeling. I mean, we've been working on that thing. When, when do we get it? October? Uh, right. And yeah. then it's like finally being able to put the Parasea decal on it, put the Parasea coffee you know, words on it. The decals make such a big difference. It does. It just finally feels like this is something that's happening as opposed to this never-ending project.
1: Well, and also (laughs) before, it looked like this utility trailer that is just oddly painted in very specific colors. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You're just like walking by, you're like, why would somebody paint a trailer like that? Yeah. It's so oddly specific. Right. right? You know, blue borders, off-white, huh, okay. Yeah. You throw the decals on, it's like, oh, boom. Whole thing ties in. Yes. Full of meaning. Yeah. So
2: so we're close to, like, making it operational. So right now it's a backdrop, and soon we'll be serving out of it at Brian Park Farmer's Market. Um, and then bringing it around. I think our target is, those of you who are familiar with RVA, like the West End area, uh, Shore Pump area, so office parks and just main kind of veins of the city because there's not a lot of good coffee options out towards the West End. You know, you have maybe one or two decent coffee options. So it'd be nice to kind of bring that out to your everyday consumer who can't roast or uh, make their own coffee at home to that level or can't make it out to the farmer's market. Right. So,
1: yeah, I I think just loading all the equipment in there, driving it somewhere, unpacking it, just that sounds so basic and I don't know, in a way boring, Mm -hmm. but it just really took it from theoretical to possible.
2: I mean, we literally risked a serious injury every weekend, putting that thing into the truck. Yes, lifting I mean,
1: in a, in a like an espresso a, cart over hundred pound espresso cart plus yeah. a two hundred twenty pound espresso machine. Yeah, well, that was kind of its own separate thing, but right. lifting that up into a tailgate. Yeah, it's just crazy. I thought I knee was going to blow out any second. Yeah, really? Oh man. Yeah, it was a whole thing every week, when we had to lift that beast up into the up into the bed of the truck. Right. I mean, just two, and then even the farmers market
2: three. It's not easy three people, but it's a little more manageable. Yeah. Uh, So just having to go
1: from that to a, you know, seven inch. I will say it gives me an increased appreciation for the trailer, right, and what it means and motivation to finish it, so that I don't ever have to move that again. Yes. Just leave it in the trailer.
2: (laughs) Right now it's sitting there. Oh yeah. In the trailer, which is pretty awesome.
1: Yeah. Getting snowed on. Yeah. But yeah, super rewarding, and we're on the home stretch. We just have to finish half the walls. Half the walls are more or less finished, and then basic lighting, and then we're really in a space where we could operate out of it. Yeah, mobile cafe.
2: Yeah, coming to you soon.
1: Yes, super exciting. So probably
2: what on Instagram slash Google, just post updates on where we're going to be ahead of time. Find our our you know strides so to speak, and then see what areas make sense, and then post them. You know, Tuesdays will be here. Wednesdays will be here. It, it's going to be a trial and error for the first few weeks yeah. until you really know. But once we get some consistency, that's going to be exciting for someone who is like, oh, I got a few minutes. Let me just jog over okay. or drive over real quick yeah. and grab some here." Right. I want to incorporate, and we've talked about this, a way to even order ahead of time. Um, I think Square gives you that functionality. Okay. So someone could just like literally queue up an order. Uh, or if they want their bags ready to go. Are you pretty awesome. For somebody who doesn't, like, oh, i got to go and have to park and then walk up, it could just be, like, I'm going
1: to be there in five minutes. Yeah. Well, can yeah, and it can help us manage manage our time. Yeah. You know, because we can plan ahead a little bit. Right. Because what you realize when you get into the, re, re, the retail part of it is that rushes are a thing. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of times it's not just overall volume over the course of a day or half a day. It's really just managing rushes. Right. So the more you're able to smooth those, you know. Whip this, you know, smooth the whiplash, I guess you could say, the more effectively you're able to relax a little bit, have a good time, interact a little bit more, and not just be totally smashed. Yeah, cranking demand. out machine and you have no interaction with the consumer. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be nice to have a great conversation. Yeah. Yeah. That is one thing I, I do miss about just doing straight-up pour-over is that it's a little bit more you just have your head down making people drinks.
2: Yeah, on the espresso machine. On the espresso machine. As the opposed to you're kind of forced, not forced to, but just time. It's, it's a two-and-a-half-minute process, three-minute process that you're just sitting there in front of someone, so it's great to have conversation. Teach someone yeah. about the process. With the espresso machine, you're not it's looking not up. As,
1: no, you're, not, you're yeah. not looking up, but it's not as much of a shared experience type of thing. Right.
2: They can't really see what you're doing too much in the end.
1: No. And it's like very, in a, in a sense, it's very technical yeah. rather than handcrafted.
2: Yeah. Exactly. I mean, they're both handcrafted. But. Yeah. Nine bars of
0: pressure. <laughs>
1: yeah. And you're just like, why is this shot pulling so slow? What's going on? You know. And
0: while they're on the other case. side looking at their reflection on yeah.
2: their. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> on the <chrome>.
1: yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah.
1: Awesome. All right. That's the end of uh, episode two. Hope everybody enjoyed it. See you next time. <laughs> Don't so excited about that. That's, that's it. Listen, I have to think very hard about what I'm going to say. Things things will just fly off the top of my dome like they do for you. Okay? Yeah, you just got to. <laughs> you close out the episode. Yeah.
2: That's a wrap. Get out of here. Get out of my living room.
1: Get out of my living room.